Get ready for conflicts where movie reviews collide. Welcome to Conflict the Podcast. Today, we are covering Black Mirror Season 5. We cover more than movies. I was trying to make that rhyme real quick in my head, but I couldn't make anything rhyme with movies. All right, to give a brief synopsis as a series of standalone episodes and one-offs, there isn't really a way to synopsize the season as a whole. So, it's only three episodes. I'll cover each in turn. Episode 1, Striking Vipers. Old friends Carl and Danny reconnect via VR of their favorite video game in unexpected ways. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you almost sounded a little uh, Robin Williams from Good Morning Vietnam. Oh, my God. You know, like, well, you got the DLC and the DMZ and the, she's just rattling <laughs> off letters. But hopefully I just got compared to Robin Williams. I think my heart might explode. I love you, Robin. R.I.P. <laughs> that was yeah. a kissing sound. I know you can't see me. <laughs> Episode two, back to the show, Smithereens, a rideshare driver in London, ignites an international crisis after kidnapping a social media employee. And then episode three, with the longest name ever, Rachel, Jack, and Ashley, too. An awkward teenage girl obsessed with pop star Ashley O receives a robot doll of the star just as the real Ashley's life starts to fall apart. I was holding, for, I was holding for applause, guys. Oh, oh, really? oh yeah. Like, Hello. I was going to do the dun dun dun. Yeah, it wasn't a dun dun dun, like, dun moment. Mm, that's not it. We, no, you, it you want some put in the post, maybe? Or? <laughs> I'd like a standing ovation put in the post, please, with lots of cheering. Let me check with the sound effects. I write team. those myself. I'll have you know, people. <laughs> I took 45 seconds with each of those of hard work. Yeah. All right. This season features Miley Cyrus, Andrew Scott, Topher Grace, Anthony Mackie, and many, many more. A few fun facts about the season that I discovered. Season five, along with all of the other seasons, is riddled with Easter eggs. Uh, I'm, I'm going to say this wrong, but I'm going to try. Seto Gamu, which is the maker of the VR game from Striking Vipers. I think the game's called Striking Vipers? Yeah, yes, yeah. Yes. Okay. Uh, very, very is a callback to uh, season three, episode two. TCKR from both season three and season four reappears in this season. And then a really interesting fun fact is if you watch episode two and episode three, there's a line repeated in both. Billy, Topher Grace's character in episode two, when he is reading the prompts on the computer of how to talk down the upset guy in the car, he says, I hear you. I know how you feel. In episode three, when Aunt Catherine is speaking to Ashley O right before she, oh, yeah. spoiler warning, right before she drugs her, Aunt Catherine says in slightly different wording, I hear you and I know how you feel. They tied the two episodes together, which I thought was brilliant hmm. and lets you know hmm. that neither one of them were the least bit sincere. Mm -hmm. That is mm -hmm. true. It's a giveaway. There you go. Fun facts for season five of Black Mirror. There are many more. I watched a video on YouTube this morning and got really overwhelmed. So these were my takeaways. Um, again, spoiler warning. From this point forward, we will be spoiling this season for you. If you haven't watched it yet, pause, go watch it, but then be sure and come back and listen. That part's important. 
All right, let's dive in. And how about you, Nick? Let's start with you. Dive in and tell us your rating for season five of Black Mirror. All right. Well, I'm just going to throw this out here. This is the first full season of Black Mirror that I've watched. I've watched. It doesn't really matter, though. They're all one offs. So you yeah, don't really I mean, watch them in a season it, format. This is a darker Twilight Zone, let's be real. Mm-hmm. Uh, I gave it a C. Plus. Mm-hmm. I did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I as messed up as it is in my mind because it's like I did not expect the first episode to go the way that it did. I was like, <laughs> I don't think anybody did. I was like, what? Like that's not how anybody saw that episode unfolding. I don't think. And then they went into episode two, and I was like, mm, it's, it's kind of boring. And then it got better towards the end. I guess a little bit of a mm-hmm. boo-hoo. I was like, whatever, get over it, dude. But then. Episode three, I'm a Miley Cyrus fan. Like that He's is a big that Miley is my Cyrus one fan, get out of jail free card, and I was expecting to absolutely love that episode, and I turned around and absolutely hated it. The only thing that I thought was cool about that episode was the Nine Inch Nails song. I think everybody thought that was cool. Hang, hang on, right, I got I got to jump in here because this, this is a little funny. Actually, I think. See, I am not a Miley Cyrus fan. I and you know I don't have anything actually against her. I had uh, it was it was all timing with me. Mm-hmm. So my oldest daughter was at the right age for the Hannah Montana thing, and mm-hmm. I'm talking the exact right age. So I have several years of my life that were lost to Hannah Montana. <laughs> I saw every episode of that show probably oh, 20 times. Oh, you have my times, condolences. Heard all the music endlessly. And, you know, it's not really did my... Did you life. have to watch the movie, too? I did. I in even, theater? I even went to a concert. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, I want to be the good dad and the yeah. cool dad. Those are dad goals, but for you as a person, I'm so but sorry. But for me as a person, like I said, I actually have nothing against Miley Cyrus. She was just doing her thing. And uh, that's fine. I just got m- so much of it mm-hmm. and I couldn't get rid of it. You know, when your daughter's like, hey, would you want to watch another episode of Hannah Montana? And I'm like, well, you know, it's been 20 minutes. Sure. I would love to watch <laughs> another episode of Hannah Montana. Are you sure you don't want to go play outside, sweetie? Please? Anything? Other? No? Just this? Okay. Do the mm-hmm. dishes? Mow the lawn? Yeah. Any- <laughs> no? okay. Anything so- else? Literally. <laughs> yeah. There was... Probably, I mean, I mean, it was a long time. Was that four or five years worth of nothing but Hannah Montana oh. mm-hmm. in my life? So, you know, when Miley Cyrus pops up and I realize that's who it is, I, I go, I start twitching. And I'm like, oh, you know, the, these flashbacks. I'm like the, you know, the uh, the Vietnam veteran, yeah, and somebody gotta, lets off a, a firecracker, and yeah. and you know. So, I, but here's what I find funny about what you just said about that episode with my background. That was my favorite episode. Really? See, I didn't go through that because. I was too old for Hannah Montana, so I didn't know who it was. Right. And I have no children. So I only knew Miley Cyrus as like slutty Miley. (laughs) 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 But she is getting more and more beautiful with age. Like it that's she is very beautiful. It's crazy. Yeah, see, I'm still in the the dad. I'm pretty sure she's also only like twenty five, so like she's not that old. Well, yeah, I don't think she's that old. I mean, because she's only a couple years older than my daughter, and my daughter's twenty one. So uh, yeah, I mean, it's going to be somewhere right in that neighborhood. But for, like, I still do the dad thing when I see her, even in this episode. I'm like, I'm seeing Hannah Montana. Mm. I'm I'm seeing, you know, the, the younger girl. And there's a certain point where I'm like, well, I guess she would be old enough to do this now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I kind of have to get that I'm at. But I, think, I find it funny that like I went into the episode twitching over it being Miley Cyrus. And that was my favorite episode. Mm. And here you were a Miley Cyrus fan. 
and you're like more of like I just want to marry Miley Cyrus. Well, that's what I didn't say. She's what, 26. I just googled. I didn't say what part of her you were a fan of, <laughs> but um, but then you didn't like the episode, so I think it's interesting. Yeah, I, I liked the music. Which was weird because I didn't think I'd like a pop version of one of my favorite metal bands. Yeah, they were like, interesting reimaginings of the yeah. songs. Yeah. I, I agree. I thought that was really cool. Would you classify that as pop the way they... Kinda. Okay. I mean, it was like, eh. I mean, they classify Billie Eilish as pop okay, when well. she's sort of like new age grunge or whatever. But I don't know. I don't listen Fair to enough. her either. I'm sure I know the one song I've heard on the radio yeah. of right. Billie Eilish, The mm. End. Well, that was my there was my Kanye moment. Now I'm going to let you finish. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Easy, Taylor Swift. Oh, man. Uh, All right, Taylor, so, let's go. <laughs> easy, Tay-Tay. <laughs> uh, so anyway, episode one I thought was really cool, mainly because I play video games. I hope to God that's not the future of video games because... It's an interesting yeah. turn if it is. That was some weird stuff. That was like a Mantis is there and things are happening and so I, I have something to say, but I'm gonna wait for my turn on this one. So Well, I, I don't know. I don't wanna like go into every episode like I guess I need to, but Dive in, the, why I not? Mean, the first episode was awesome because you know i played tekken back in the day and i was like oh sweet that'd be so cool they made a vr tekken then they started two dudes technically are not themselves having sex and i was like uh so technically they're not cheating it was like a new age broke back but whatever if you have to say technically it's not cheating it's cheating it's cheating but it's not because there was no physical contact it's in in your brain (laughs) but like is an emotional affair still an affair yes if you don't physically have into did he ask his wife if it was okay did he hide it from her (laughs) at the end but yeah but what was the trade-off right so that's the thing if he had approached her at the beginning and said hey i want to have sex in a video game are you cool or told her immediately after so this thing happened Technically, they became swingers. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, once a month. Much. <laughs> once a year. Had, oh, is it once a year? On his birthday. <laughs> that was that. such a weird episode. But it, that's what I liked about it because it was like Chris Angel mind freak. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, whoa, mind blown. And so, whenever episode two started and it was so boring until the last like 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. But then again, I didn't really feel bad for him because I'm like, you were technically texting and driving, <laughs> whatever. Which way to be, dipshit. Well, yeah. he, he does admit it, though. He, he says does. Because it was my fault. But I don't understand why he had to get in contact with the guy. He wanted uh, him to hear his story. Uh, it was all about, hey, listen, I know that I fucked up, but I want you to understand the consequences of this thing that you've created. Uh, because it, it, you might not. I think that was kind of his point is he's looking at it from something not so black and white as uh, should I or should I not have been checking my phone? Because as he points out, and this is true with, you know, real life versions of this, they have people who figure out psychologically how to make that app hard to put down and hard to not check. You know, they they use certain colors. They use certain images Mm -hmm. uh, to try to get you to check your phone. It's blue for Facebook and Twitter. Yeah, Mm -hmm. Um, You know, they, they understand how to do this. And there is a question at which point in time. You know, is that malicious? At which point in time is that not causing more of the problem? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, th- th- there is uh, an, an addictive factor that they are encouraging. Now, I agree, you know, that he shouldn't have been checking his phone while he's driving. And that does make it his fault. Mm-hmm. And for all you listeners out there, put your phone down when you're driving. Jesus. Mm-hmm. But there are people behind you trying to get somewhere. Uh, without dying. <laughs> Without dying, and hopefully quickly, because nobody checks their phone as quick as they think they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, I liked that 
uh, he, you know, he put that in there. He's like, I know it was my fault, but I want you to see the ultimate result of this thing that you were putting in motion. Now, right. This, you created the monster. Yes. Well, and I just thought the build up to it was a little boring. But I thought the acting was phenomenal in that episode. Like, I feel like that episode probably actually the best acting. I think out of that the it had the best performances and of the season from Andrew Scott. And I, I, th- I would agree with think that. Think that's the cr- hardest part because mm-hmm. I thought it was the most boring episode. When he has that like, meltdown under the bridge, mm-hmm. that was. I mean, I got chills just yeah. watching it. Yeah, and uh, yeah. worst criminal ever. I don't, by the way, no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no joke. The kid that he abducted, mm-hmm. I thought nailed that. Damson Idris is his name. I've never seen him before. I randomly have watched his acting reel before, and he's extremely talented. And then I thought to myself also how ridiculous the UK police look. So that's all I could think of. The hats, the sexy hats. I hate those hats. I was like, take it off. They they legit wear those. But, yeah, I know. yeah, and that's like a legit uniform. That's what they. Yeah, what they I think look they look like. like DAs. I can't stand I, it. Like, I thought it was actually interesting to watch, and I've noticed this in other shows how uh, police departments and police personnel uh, act differently mm-hmm. than the ones here in the U.S. Well, mm-hmm. and so did the original two who pulled him over not have guns? No, they don't in the U.K. Most uh, most international police forces don't really carry guns. Yeah, I did not. That's why they had to call in a special unit that actually had guns. Mm-hmm. Huh. But no, uh, I'll make a, another Robin Williams callback uh, from Live at the Met uh, that he makes a joke about that. He's like, in England, you commit a crime, and the cops are like, stop, or I'll say stop again. And <laughs> 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 you know, yeah, uh, because no, they don't. Um, huh. Most societies don't. That, see, I didn't know that. I've never traveled outside of this country. I mean, from what you've told me in Mexico, they have guns. Yeah, Mexico, so. those, guys, those guys got guns. There are, yeah, there are other countries that have guns. And they carry bigger guns no, than the, what they do in America. Rifles, just a blazing. But. Those people are all 4'11 carrying around assault rifles. It's weird and terrifying. Yeah. I also grew up surrounded by assault rifles. It is indeed terrifying. Huh. See, yeah, I don't know. So Just whenever I saw that, I was like, over a shoulder. whenever they're like, back it up, back it up, back it up, you fools, leave your mountain bikes, let's go, let's go. <laughs> I was like, where's your gun? Like, because I, I didn't know that. I've never watched anything well, based in. You notice there like was that. the scene, and I, I, we're going to kind of get a little bit in the weeds here, and I don't necessarily want to because we could talk about our political opinions on guns. But do you notice that's the, the question they asked is, how does he get a gun? How do you get a gun? Which is why they assumed that the gun was likely fake. So they were really quickly believed this was a fake gun because it's easier to get mm-hmm. a fake one than a real one there. You know, when somebody just gets a gun, you know, here in the States, like, it's easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. if, if I wanted to go get a semi-automatic pistol, I could probably have one in the next 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the UK, it is far more difficult. Now, I won't add any personal commentary on that. I'm just pointing out those are pretty much objective facts. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. And that's that's probably why I thought the episode was weird. Because, again, I've never watched any documentaries. I've never watched any movies. It'd be a weird thing to watch a documentary on, not going to lie. Well, I mean. It'd be interesting, but I'm just saying. Like, police force in the UK. I don't know. I'm just throwing some out there. Uh, Cops. UK edition. Yeah, there are guns in the UK, obviously. Uh, You know, criminals having guns is not unheard of by Mm -hmm. any means. But guns are far more rare, especially things like a pistol or a random person having it. Uh-huh. Um, it it's it's going to be far more rare to the point where cops are going to say, how did this guy get a gun? 
they're going to want to know how he got a gun. That's an important piece of the puzzle. Whereas like here in the States, they're not going to ask how they got a gun. Maybe later on in the investigation, they'll check into it. But initially, while the, the, the incident is happening, nobody here is going to care how they got a pistol. They're just going to know they had a pistol. And yeah. they're going to most likely believe that it's a real pistol because, well, it's easy to get here. Mm-hmm. What about, uh, I'm going to cut you off there, Nick. Oh, okay. I know you're going to talk, but it's Rich's turn. Oh, okay. I, was, I, I feel like I talked halfway through Nick's How about, through, how about you? That's okay, Nick. No, I'll no, talk halfway that's through fine. yours. That's it's fine. Cool. Okay, so I'm going to give this season overall a B-. minus. Okay. Um, however, like I, Nick and I are really not agreeing on anything here. <laughs> so he's the yin to your yang on the episodes of the season. So, yeah, I'm going to kind of give, let me just give that a breakdown a little bit. Uh, the first one, Striking Vipers. I, I struggled to finish that. If I, did, if I didn't have a compulsion to finish, mm-hmm. I wouldn't have finished that episode. I share that compulsion, by well, the way. I thought that was far more boring than the second episode. I mean, really? I, oh, I kept having to put my phone down because I kept wanting to check my phone and do things. I'm bored out of my mind. I don't know how many times I'm like, I get it, Anthony Mackie. You're bored. I'm bored with you being bored. <laughs> Please move on and have something. Have him the other thing that I really didn't like about the first episode is all of these have some political commentary. You know, you reference back to Twilight Zone, and there was a lot of, not political commentary, but at least social commentary mm-hmm. that was built into Twilight Zone and Black Mirror. They're, they're exploring uh, concepts or uh, social constructs and looking at them. Episode one of season five, I have no clue what they're exploring. They were mm-hmm. exploring sexuality and its fluidity. Were they? Is that what you took away from it? Because yes. I, I did not take that away. I thought that they're that like straight is not straight, gay is not gay. There's everything in between. So are you but, saying but like here, one of those weird? I mean, I shouldn't say weird because it's mainly because I don't understand it. But are you saying like that no binary thing? Not necessarily. I mean, okay. a non-binary is is certainly a choice, but that has much more to do with gender identity. And these are two people who identify as male. And who identify as straight, but have found something together Loophole. through these <laughs> VR characters, and the fact that they meet in person, mm-hmm. you know, for the purpose of a kiss to see if they have anything, and they have nothing. It's mm-hmm. still it's it's about sexuality in the future and what it can become. In that, this, Carl was it Carl that was Mantis? Yes. Dan- okay. Yes. Uh, so Carl, as Carl, has nothing for Danny, but Carl, as Mantis, I don't know the character's name. Sorry, y'all. Feels feelings for Danny as random it, player character. It was Roxette and Lance, I think, were the VR names. Cool. As Roxette and Lance, they have fireworks, and even their whole conversation about you know a guitar solo versus an orchestra and the feelings that it goes. I think it was it was very much a conversation about sexuality and fluidity and sexual identity in the future and what it can become without a, the same social stigma. That's my soapbox and my interruption of what I took away from it. No, and that's fine. Mm-hmm. I just, I didn't get any of that. But let me explain why, because I really tried to think about after that episode, I had to pause for, you know, because, you know, Netflix will try to just roll right into the next one. And well, like, I turned off autoplay on yeah, my I'm Netflix. Like, I need a minute. And because I thought, I'm like, okay, this wasn't about them being gay because they very much clearly said, no, we're not gay. Um, I thought, well, okay, then maybe Carl is, uh, you know, finding out he's transgendered. They're like, nope, we're completely straight. Um, And then I felt like any sort of, as you say, gender fluidity, they really shied away from uh, because there was a scene early on that really bugged me where they're asking, you know, what's it like for you as a guy experiencing this as a girl in VR? And I thought to myself, like, why would you ask that question when you could just reboot the game and experience it once for yourself? I did wonder that myself, honestly, of why they didn't try different characters and didn't try a girl on girl and vice versa with the other one a girl and the other one a guy. 
I exactly. wondered that myself. That, that's why I, I that's why I didn't go there. That's why I didn't wonder. That that's what they were exploring because they passed up some really good opportunities to ask those questions. Um, and then another big stumbling block for me is I just simply could not buy into the basic premise. And here's why. The moment VR sex becomes possible, <laughs> nobody's going to have a video game pretending they're playing the video game having sex. It'll just be a thing. There will be communities of people where this is what they do. There will be a service or uh, some sort of, uh, not a game, but a, a download and you will pay and you'll go in and you'll have VR sex with people. Okay, and not that to be graphic, I understand that like there they were not do. physical reper repercussions of like, you know, when they got a cut on the face, they didn't start bleeding mm -hmm. on their face IRL. However, if you come in a video game, would you not in real life as well to mimic physical sensation like when his kid wakes well, him up i'm thinking like should there not be a pile of jizz in his lap well, yeah and i know we're getting a little graphic here but like it happens when you dream precisely you know? my thinking <laughs> i was like wet dreams are called wet dreams for a reason would this not be like a virtual reality wet dream so, emphasis on the wet there is another not i'll, I'll keep this one brief but there was uh, there's another um, piece of fiction that explores something like this and in their version of their VR, like they literally shut down certain body functions, so it only exists in the brain. So, and they refer to oh, things which like that's an interesting right. thing of sensation in the brain versus physical right. sensation. So mm, that's the, interesting. They will do things like it keeps you from, say, like peeing your pants while mm -hmm. you're in VR, um, because you know if you're like, hey, I need to go to the bathroom, and you go to the bathroom in VR, would you not just pee your pants? Well, they they actually have programmed that in to shut those aspects down. Well, possibly mm. TCKR did that. And maybe they well. did, but they never said it. But I could never get past the stumbling block that two guys just randomly discovered you could have sex in this VR game, and this wasn't some sort of a cultural phenomenon that happened. Because I'm well, telling you, the moment it becomes possible. to a certain extent, because he talked about trying to find it with other people, and there was this guy yeah. in Belgium, but he couldn't get past the accent or something. But, they, but it, they would be it was everybody. more like a subculture, and I get, what you're, I get the point you're this making. This will be plastered off every news agency before it's even released. The moment it becomes possible in the lab, that's going to be known about. I mean, let's face it, oh, porn so built the internet. It's going to build true. the VR network, whatever that looks Speaking like. Speaking of built-in labs, there was a there was an Easter egg in this episode of the uh, the previous episode from I think it was season three or four of uh, Black Museum, and the uh, I can't remember all the things that they're called, but the doctor that puts on like the LED hairnet and he can feel sensation from whoever's wearing the hairnet because he's got a receptor right. also has almost the exact same expression when he has sex with his girlfriend who has the hairnet on and he feels both of their O moments mm -hmm. it's they have a very similar conversation that was a nice tie-in and that also has to have do you with watched TCKR. every season yeah oh, okay see this is mm. the, so with the three that i watched for season five for this i've watched a total of five episodes of Black Mirror. So, like, when you're talking about like past seasons, I'm like, I have no um, idea what you're talking about. I have not seen them all yet, but I've. Well, I'm and I don't think it's necessarily because it, it, I don't think it's a necessity. I think you can go through and pick the episodes. I will say I highly recommend the episode Black Museum, and I highly recommend the episode San Junipero. Those are my yes, two favorite. Episodes. That's the one that I watched, and I watched the one that was like a Star Trek spinoff. Uh, yeah, I can't think of what it's called off the top of my head. It starts with it's C. It's like USS something or other. Callister, yeah. maybe? Yeah. Uh, I really like the other one. That's probably the one set in the San 80s. San Junipero? Yeah. That is my the best one ever. favorite episode of Black yeah. Mirror. Okay, and best I soundtrack and everything. That's cool and all, but back to me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> so Sorry, in, Rich. It might be minus. Striking Vipers has pulled that down to it. 
because the other episodes I thought were far better. Uh, Smithereens, I really enjoyed. I agree with you. There was definitely some slowness at the beginning, yeah, but nowhere pacing. near the slowness of Striking Vipers. I thought that the actors did a much better job of keeping it engaged, even though there was some lengthy scenes that they probably could have shortened up a little bit. And the end was amazing. Um, part of what I like about Black Mirror is that social commentary. It is It, it makes you ask questions. You may, it makes you think about things. Uh, like I wanted when I interrupted you earlier and discussed this one a little bit when I talked about, you know, who is to blame here? If you check mm -hmm. your phone, you're to blame. But at the same time, if they're making it difficult intentionally mm -hmm. for you to put it Are down. Are they also culpable for they, your actions? Yeah. Is there some culpability there as well? And I think it's a very interesting question, especially since that is very real. You know, this was not portraying something entirely fictional. Now, they use fictional names. They use fictional companies. But, like, that's very clearly Facebook. We all know people who are checking Facebook while they're driving yeah, I guarantee you, we all probably saw that today. Mm -hmm. Or maybe mm -hmm. if we didn't notice it, somebody was doing it around us. It's yeah, that. Yeah, you're stopped at a stoplight. Somebody's playing on Facebook or Instagram exactly. next to you. I'm that guy who honks. I'm like, get out of my way. Exactly. <laughs> but, but it's that frequent. So it, I think it's very relevant. And that this episode made me think about a lot of that. Uh, you know, I love the scene uh, with Topher Grace where he kind of goes on his little rant. And he's like, you know, started out of this thing and it became a totally another thing. And I didn't mean for it to be this. Where he's kind of realizing that... You know, he's right. It did become this other thing, and that other thing has big downsides. Mm -hmm. uh, nobody meant for it to get there, but it got there. Uh, you know, so I thought it was a really great exploration of it without them ever actually placing blame. You know, they weren't making it's this person's fault, it's that person's fault. I think they kind of said it's society's fault. and Which is valid, honestly. Mm -hmm. so there I, is some validity to that. I definitely like that. Uh, I actually enjoyed the third episode, the Rachel, Jack, and Ashley 2 the most, even though, like I said, I kind of twitched at Miley Cyrus. But oh, hang on. Here's why, though. Let me let me give you my reason. Nick's pointing at me, and he's giving the look already. Nick's about to object. <laughs> he's, he's like, but I like, object. Because of, I thought, the, the commentary that they were making. I, I've often wondered things. Like I said, I got to experience Hannah Montana from the viewpoint of the father, you know, of what, being forced to watch this. All the time. And like I said, you experienced Miley when she came, uh, what do you call her, Slutty Miley? Mm -hmm. uh, Post party in the USA, yeah. Miley. Well, you know, and we've, yeah. seen, we've seen this a lot with celebrities who are started out as child stars. <laughs> when Miley Cyrus was possessed by a demon. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, especially these Disney stars, when they grow up, they go out and they're like, I want to establish my own identity. I'm not mm -hmm. that character that I played for a long time. And I'm no longer a child. I am an adult. Mm -hmm. I am a woman in her case. And, you know, so she did. She did some things and you can... Uh, you know, we could argue whether or not you thought it was appropriate, inappropriate, or where she went with it, but it was clearly an attempt to distance themselves from the image that they created. And, you know, and we see it a lot, and I think it's understandable and recognizable. And when you, you look at this, I have, because I still see her as Hannah Montana, so I am just as much creating the problem that she could have been experiencing as anybody else, because that's just how we associate people. So I love the commentary on, is there a certain point where they become trapped in that role? Now, I know it's very easy for us who are not super wealthy and have had careers like that to look at and say, oh, it must be so horrible. You're having all this money, all these people who love you, that must be awful. But, and from a very real standpoint, they might feel trapped in that, that place at a certain time. And it's not just them. You know, we talked on an early episode about Andrew Dice Clay, who was a shock comic mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, said very terrible, terrible jokes. And then you reminded that this person was playing a role. Uh, you know, so where where does that lie? Was there any point that he was like, I have to keep doing these jokes because if not, I won't have an audience mm -hmm. and my career goes away. You know, do those things. And I think a lot of musicians probably do experience that. And you, know, you mentioned Taylor Swift before. Uh, how, how many people have tried this uh, where they come out and they do a different style and people 
uh, Revolt. Who was her name that did the Coyote Ugly soundtrack? The country star. Uh, um, Leanne Rimes. Leanne Rimes. She, came she out, did that soundtrack? Yes. Mm-hmm. that oh, sound, okay. the, the movie Coyote Ugly, she did the soundtrack and was very poppy. And like the backlash in the country music industry was horrific. Hmm. Uh, they pretty much ostracized her after that for trying to go pop. And, you know, we see this a lot. And, you know, to me, I'm, I'm, I'm very liberal in that viewpoint. I'm like, you want to try to go pop? Do a pop album. I don't care. I'll listen to it if I like it. I'll listen Kiss to it if I don't. Kiss do disco. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, um, Steven Tyler did a country song. Um, I didn't like it, but hmm. go ahead, Steven. You can do whatever you want. So, you know, I, I thought it was a wonderful exploration of the extreme. Now, obviously, they took it to the extreme, but there's a certain point where the industry probably does look at them and say, if I could just pull songs out of your head and didn't need you at all, this would be so much easier for yeah. us, which is where they went in that episode. So I really like the commentary that they're making and what it made me think about. And it really it made me wonder what the perspective was like from that viewpoint, from the that star, that person who was the uh, Disney star, uh, the child star growing up. You know, we've seen how many of them melt down mm-hmm. and, and be very unsuccessful mm-hmm. and had a very difficult common. adulthoods. Uh, we know it's very common. Now, not all of them, but some of them. Uh, you know, and I, I think this is a good exploration of what it's going to be like for them to to mature and reach adulthood and try and, and find their footing and try to find their footing when everybody wants them to stay the way they are. Um, now, I, I'm going to step out of my box just a little bit and also add this one. And I realize up front I'm saying this is a dude. So please forgive me. I understand my uh, my point of view is probably not the right one to be saying this. But I took away also that, you know, here she was. Hannah Montana and in this one she was Ashley O Mm -hmm. and you know this was the the very cute positive proper young lady and our society likes them to stay that way Mm -hmm. very much so they don't want the the woman who is sexually aware and awaken they become slutty Miley um I'm gonna point the finger back at Nick (laughs) there just a little bit but I, you know, I, I, I was reading that into it a little bit as well and wondering, you know, are, is that justified there? You know, there's a scene when the doll wakes up when they, they take the, with the limiter off yeah. and suddenly she's just cursing and swearing and the other girls are just, you know, in shock and they're like, this isn't you, this isn't what you're like. And she's like, no, this is me. That other one is not me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I, you know, I think people forget that, that the persona we see these people put up professionally is not who they are it you know it isn't who they are uh even if it's close none of those are none of those are who they are so i I really like that expression which is why i ended up liking that last episode the best and that one really helped drag my rating back up when i finished with the b minus it really went lowest at episode one to the highest episode what was your rating before that episode then um, you know, I don't. I didn't really rate them before then. I actually didn't. ended up watching all three of them. I wrote down a few notes in between, but I kind of shied away from the rating. Without that episode, yeah, I'm probably looking C to C minus somewhere in the neighborhood. So with with that episode, uh, you know, it dragged it up quite a bit for me because mm-hmm. I really liked the the thought provoking that I got. Even though in many ways it was probably the most whimsical and ridiculous. Uh, like I so said, they definitely took it to an extreme. So to a certain point, they were presenting it as hyperbole, but. I really thought that that was the point. They were saying, uh, you know, look how ridiculous this is. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and that was, that's what I took away from it. So, well, I mean, the music industry is ridiculous now. I mean, it is. It's true. Uh, I know for some reason we keep talking about her, but Taylor Swift doesn't own any of her music anymore. She's in a lawsuit Most right now. Most people don't. Uh, mm-hmm. With her 
new Some manager guy, or whatever. I yeah. don't remember his name, but like, yeah. Cheated her out of it. Yeah, most musicians don't own their own music. So I went a couple of years ago. I am old enough <laughs> that like one of my favorite bands when I was younger is Def Leppard. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Always been a big Def Leppard fan, but I was there for their heyday. So a couple of years ago, Def Leppard, uh, they own their songs, but they don't own the recordings from which they were popular. So if you go by, say, uh, Pyromania, mm-hmm. the, the record company owns that recording and they get that money and Def Leppard doesn't get squat. But they own the songs themselves. So what they did was they went back to the studio, re-recorded all of the music, re-released it. Uh, the versions that they own and put those out on uh, that's smart the, yeah get them on like itunes and um, uh, google music and so a on, lot so of on. bands are doing that a lot yeah. of uh, mm-hmm. back in the uh hardcore and pop punk days they didn't own the music so they're going back now that has been 11 plus years since those albums came out and they're coming out with the remastered special yeah. edition it's so heartbreaking though because that's like I mean, maybe I'm over romanticizing this, but I mean, I view a song as a piece of somebody's soul. I mean, if you've written that all oh, yourself, yeah, yeah. if you've written the lyrics, if you've written the music, you've put yeah. a piece of your soul into that. And for somebody else to own a piece of your soul is so tragic to Which me. It's surprisingly rare, though, for somebody that to have performed a song to have conceived it and written it. Oh, and, it's very mm-hmm. true. A lot of uh, people don't perform their own music or they, you know, don't write all of it or what have you. But it right. just... But I, but I understand what you're saying. There. Yeah. But from a legal standpoint, those are all very distinctly different things. Mm-hmm. You can own the song itself and not own the, the masters, not own the recordings. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all of that. Because you use someone else's equipment. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, and to a certain degree. Pr- production well, company. And a lot of that's in the contract. You know, mm-hmm. if, if you go to a record company and say, I, I want to... Uh, put this inf- you know, put this music out there, they're going to say, okay, then you have to sign this contract and that contract is going to give them ownership over most of it. That's why so many people tour. Uh, in the music industry, most of the musicians make their money off the tours. They make mm-hmm. nearly squat off of the radio play and the album sales. Which yeah. is sad in a way. But I don't know a whole lot about the music industry. Uh, Speaking of good and bad. Oh. It gonna... is the best of times. It is the worst of times. We've talked about a couple things that you guys liked. Like we talked about Andrew Scott's performance, mm-hmm. you know, under the the overpass and things like that. But I, but let's let's pinpoint a best and a worst. Let's say this is the high point and this is the low point. Rich, I'm going to start with you. What's your high point, buddy? So while although I liked episode three the best, if I were going to pick a single high point out of this, I would say the last, oh, there's about 10 minutes there during the uh, last part of episode two. Like uh, after they've sprung her from the bed? Um, no, no, episode, episode two. two. Oh, episode Sorry. two, my bad. Uh, in the car with the, the guy. Gotcha, yeah. Uh, so once he Smith finally gets um, uh, Topher Zuckerberg on the phone, <laughs> and, <laughs> and um, all the way pretty much till the the, the end there, the, until the, the mm-hmm. last shot, um, that sequence there I think is by far my favorite. I think it was extremely well done. It was extremely well acted as well as what it made you think if you really pay attention to those conversations back and forth. I thought there was a lot of nuance thrown in there that is there are things to mull over. It's that commentary that I keep referring to. So that's probably my high point. Even though overall I liked episode three better. I think that like five to ten minutes in there was just amazing. Yeah. How about you Nick? Let's throw it to you. What's your high point? Uh, high point. I'm going to agree with Rich, even though it was one of my least favorite episodes. The last 20 minutes of episode like two that sequence. was my favorite. Like mm-hmm. I said earlier, the acting was on point. Like I almost wanted to cry watching him cry over losing his fiance. Uh, I, it was just the cinematography and everything on that episode mm-hmm. pretty much nailed it for me. Uh, even though it was boring for the first hour. 
I think it's only an hour, so I guess the first 40 minutes maybe. But anyway, uh, episode one was my favorite, but still... Didn't have your high point, though. Didn't have a high point. Uh, Episode three is the worst, minus the music and having Miley for me. Is that whole episode your low point? Yeah, well, and the big problem, and thank you for saying this way, because what I was going to say whenever uh, following Rich is, I feel like the girl the little girl who the, got the ashley the teenage two. blonde girl yeah. she's a little too old to be wanting an ashley she's two. uh betty brant from uh spider-man far from home i've not I yet haven't seen, seen that it. Epic no, what, fail. really why am i friends with you two i know right <laughs> she was in the um uh homecoming as well oh she's in she's in both movies oh okay yeah. and well, the other girl is from uh sharp objects i haven't seen that either hmm uh um I my wife watched it, so I watched it with her. Is it a uh, show? And, and, yes, it's a oh. show. Well, it I was read a, the book. It was a book that's been turned into a show. I have not read the book. I have I've not recovered enough from reading the book to be able to watch the show. It takes you to the dark places. Oh, okay. it, it's it's pretty dark. It's oh, very okay. dark. Though, um, uh, it's a very good book, but very dark. Uh, Amy Adams' performance in the show is phenomenal. Oh, okay. Well, but anyway. she was too old for that to doll. Me, yeah, because he just told me, he was like, oh, yeah, my 12-year-old daughter. And I was like, this chick should have her permit. And she's yeah, wanting she an Ashley, like 15, too. Yeah, 15, 16, like, I think. Yeah, I'm like, no, that's a little too old to be digging on somebody with a split personality singer. You know, it's like, <laughs> no. Um, You know, I don't know. I mean, that... Well, did that, your daughter still listen to Hannah Montana at 15? Yeah. Really? Uh-huh. Oh, I kind of thought... I don't know. I don't remember. I like, don't know. Yeah, because I mean, I was I'm trying to like thinking about like what was it for like dudes back in the day? Like what was it that carried on? I don't know. Because once I started hitting 15, I was like, I need to study for my permit. I'm ready for a car. I'm ready to <laughs> listen to music that has the parental warning labels on it. And it's like I didn't give a shit about something like that. They, kids don't get their license anymore. I have a 21 year old and a 16 year old. Neither one have a license. Neither huh. one. Of, neither one of them want to. I'm yeah, forcing, it's not cool anymore. I'm I got forcing my 16 year old to get his. License. I got my driver's permit the day that I turned 14. Mm-hmm. I had my car whenever I was about 15 and a half, and I would sit in it at night, going, "I cannot wait to turn 16." <laughs> like I was so ready. I was waiting on the steps of the DMV the morning I turned 16 when the guy unlocked the door. That's so weird. Why? And I followed him. Is in. it because we have like too much like? access for parents to take us and we have like uber and lyft well and stuff, it's not that the driver's licenses it's, aren't the same they're like a progressive social. thing and there's ride sharing and there's it no see i think it's the social need i think when we were younger that was the uh, inroad to our social life if we had a vehicle we could go oh, hang out with that our friends independence we could, it was yeah, not only just the independence but we could go find our friends we could go hang out with people you could go cruising it was the entry into our social life the children today like my son is very social this kid is on in, social media. In, uh, <laughs> is that like, I know where he's at. <laughs> no, not even just that. But um, I mean, when I left, he had just switched from the Xbox where him and four of his friends were playing a game back to his room where um, the, the, his PC is. And they he will get back onto the headset and they have a discord server that they share that they can access from there and on their phones. And these kids are always constantly connected. They know what's going on any every time, at all times. And their social need almost takes place entirely online. There was a, a funny moment, and it's been a couple of years ago now, where I asked my son, he was hanging out with some of his friends online. I'm like, hey, you know, if your friends ever wanted to come over, you know they're welcome here. And he gave me this funny look. And I'm like, what, what did I just say? Why is that so awful? He's like, well, Dad, what would they do? There's only one Xbox. The things that they want to do together, they can't do 
when they're physically in the same location because they don't have all of their electronics. That's kind of sad, though. That kind of sounds like the premise for an episode of Black Mirror. It, it really does, but that, I'm telling you, I've seen it. Even my daughter, who is a fair number of years older, has some of that going on, but I watched that unfold, and it's not just my child. All, all of his friends are the same. We've, uh, we know some number of the other parents, and we've you know gone out with them and had this conversation and they all say the same thing. Their kids don't, they're not interested in getting their driver's license. As a matter of fact, many of them are like completely opposed to it. And the way they socialize is, you know, fundamentally different now. And I think that one leads to the other. I think that that's why we wanted to do it. And so, to, you take away that need and you don't need a car anymore. So your daughter doesn't have a driver's license? Yeah, that's a little, slightly different reason there, but she's still not interested in it. She, um, so like, what's the age that kids are now like, Oh, I want a driver's license. Uh, you get about in that college. Age. So my, around my daughter's age is when you first started seeing it. Some, a lot of people were dragging their feet and became less, uh, of an issue. And by the time you get to my son's age now, it's like full blown. It, it, it's happened in that short of a time frame. in about five years, it went from, eh, kids aren't as interested in their license to now they're almost vehemently opposed to it. So how do they? Get a lot of people that I know, their kids are waiting until like eighteen ish, like when they leave home. So do they get an ID at sixteen? So like if they go somewhere, you can, you can get a state issued ID. Huh? You can just walk into the DMV and get an ID that's not a driver's license. It looks like a driver's license. It's like a different color and uh-huh. got like a stamp thingy on it, um, but it's it's a legal state ID. Huh? That's very interesting. Mm-hmm. I just learned something new because I'm like, like I said, that's why I, in my mind on that episode, I was like, she's too old for that. She should be ready to gear towards mm-hmm. cars. And, and some would be, um, you know, I think they kind of put the. She, she was, was also awkward. a little bit. Yeah, I was about to say she was portrayed as a little bit socially awkward and a little bit perhaps emotionally stunted by the loss of her mother. So mm-hmm. like that was like a comfort thing. I get where you're coming from though. Mm-hmm. And yeah. being a little, cause I did wonder that at times of like, this is a doll ultimately that talks mm-hmm. to you. A that's creepy, but B like you're in high school. Yeah. Honey. Well, and she hit the right age. Here's what I suspect, even though they really didn't go into it. So there is a certain point, especially uh, amongst mothers and daughters where they're kind of BFFs when they're, you know, the, the daughter's younger age, they, they really cling to each other and they identify more. And then they go through a stage. They're right about that 15, 16 year mark somewhere in the neighborhood where the girls, uh, how do you say this? Uh, they decide to try to be more independent. And usually that's the point in which the mothers and daughters fight a lot, mm. uh, you know, as they, they kind of struggle to, uh, find a issues new issues of autonomy and yeah, the family unit. Yeah, there's a lot that goes on there as they try to to sort that out together uh, because they they lose a little bit of that closeness in a way and try to replace it with something else and they they don't exactly know how. And I've seen this in not only just my family but in others. Mm-hmm. So that's about the right age group for that to happen. So if you suddenly take the mother out, you know she she's gone from that equation. Uh, at, at the time that that transition is happening, it might just stunt that transition. Mm-hmm. So she might be stuck for a few years in that phase. Mom and I are still best buds mm-hmm. um, and not have progressed to the next phase, which is kind of where I went with that, although they didn't explicitly say it. Right. What hmm. about you, Rich? What's your low point? Um, wow. I just rambled about a lot of crap. Uh, it happens. <laughs> um, you know, I have a hard time not saying the entirety of episode one. Um, <laughs> But I, I really, I was, because I like Anthony Mackie. I think he's a great uh, mm-hmm. actor. He does some good work. And this was just not it. So my low point for him was, um, I, I think he just bored me. I know he was trying to portray a guy who was bored. 
but he didn't. It wasn't get, as nuanced as you wanted it to he be. He didn't give me anything to connect with because at first I thought, you know, they're going for the midlife crisis thing. Mm-hmm. And trust me, that is something I completely understand. As somebody in the middle of his life, uh, you know, I understand that there's a certain part where you have to ask, you know, I haven't accomplished the things that I wanted to accomplish. This wasn't the way I thought it was going to be. And what do I do next? Does this mean everything's over? That there's And then nostalgia of things past, i.e. the video games. The game. video games, the, the old times hanging out with my buddies. You know, all of those things are going through your head. And I thought that's what they were going to explore. And they just didn't. He just looked bored. Mm-hmm. He just did look, and I'm like, there was nothing to that performance. So I was extremely disappointed with that. So um, I'll, I'll be anxious to give Anthony Mackie an opportunity to redeem himself mm-hmm. in something else. Uh, so two things. One, yeah, I kind of see what you're saying on that episode because I personally thought they were going to get stuck in the game and couldn't get out. Like, that's uh, what I thought mm-hmm. the whole episode was because I didn't read anything about it. Yeah. And then they're like, oh, we're going to have sex. And I was like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that was not what I thought, but oh well. well. And it was instant. That's the other thing that was odd for me in that episode. It they wasn't like kind of jump into the like deep the end. first time they started fighting in that, and like they're laying there, and he had a hold of the girl's butt. I was like, huh? It reminded, did they fall like that? I don't remember that. <laughs> like it, it reminded me of like the the young kids who start out wrestling, and then the boy kisses the girl, yeah, like on the playground, and like it's a it's a thing, and and the teachers getting it like reminded me of that situation. And yeah. I'm like, what, what is happening here? I don't understand why this connects. Did they, are they just telling these two are immature? I don't, you know, that's, that yeah. was my whole problem with that episode. I, they, they should have stuck with a theme. And two, uh, what, what's his name again? Anthony Mackie? Yeah. Talking. So, yeah. So I just watched The Hurt Locker this morning mm-hmm. for the first time. Never seen it before. That's a downer. Uh, one of my favorite <laughs> movies now. Like, it's a really good movie, but it's not an upper. And, uh, why am I drawing a blank on actors' names? Jake Gyllenhaal. All, you know, also yeah. in. You're not real bright. Yeah, t- um. true. What's uh, what's his name? Also in uh, Avengers. I'm real confused. He, he played uh, Hawkeye. Oh, uh, Jeremy Renner. Yeah, they're both in it, and I was like, "What? This is." An oh, amazing movie. I was. My brain you were was going somewhere. Jarhead. Yes, I was. Yeah. <laughs> I was thinking about that Santa hat. Oh, that's right. Her locker was Catherine Bigelow's. Okay. I'm with you now. Yeah. I'd never seen that before and for some reason started watching it this morning. Great. No, Anthony Mackie is great. Having one I bad, didn't know that he was that good of an actor. Ha- having one blah performance doesn't exactly ruin a career for me, but at the same time, dude, that was pretty pretty mediocre. The only thing I knew him from was Avengers. Oh, Guy Pierce as well. Yeah. He <laughs> was also in the MCU. Mm-hmm. Hmm? Iron Man Three. All right, now it's my turn. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Enough about you. Yeah. Let me talk. <laughs> okay, um, if you know me at all, you know that I am obsessed with the Olympics, which is an interesting segue, but we're going to go <laughs> gold, silver, and bronze for these episodes, oh, okay. okay? I was like, what? There's three of them, <laughs> I thought and it was, it was the randomly best analogy them. I could come up with. So all of the episodes have strengths, and I think that ultimately they all, for me, give good performances, but some I thought were better than others, so... On the top tier with the gold, I give it to Striking Vipers uh, because I took away. It's interesting because we all have different opinions on what the good episodes were and what the bad episodes were. Yeah. (laughs) Very interesting. But I took away the sexual orientation implications and even something as simple as like what you were just talking about of like with that weird moment when he had like the hand on the butt and they were laying there. To me, I took that as they're not in the real world. So... Carl all of a sudden has this urge and because he's not Carl, he's Roxette. He just acts on it in the moment to see what happened, to see what 
it feels like to experience it without any social implications. And I think that's how the whole thing started for them was just, here's a spark in the real world. If somebody brushed up against you or had a hand on you in a way that like your brain started to feel something, you're not going to act on it because everybody's watching you. And what about the implications for this person? And what about the societal constraints? You're going to shush that feeling in your brain and you're going to let it go and you're going to walk away. But this isn't the real world. This is the virtual world. They can do whatever they want. And then that led into this fascinating look at both the implications of VR in the real world, i.e. is virtual cheating still cheating? Yes, Yes. it is. See, I didn't know that. So thank you. (laughs) I'd like to point out that Nick is also married and I'm not. Rich has been married for a long time and is marriage goals in life. You've been married for like two years. I'm worried for you. But I don't also play VR or play WoW, so I'm not going to be like, oh, your troll boobs look hot. The VR VR is irrelevant. That's my point. It doesn't matter whether it's VR, whether you're at a club with your buddies. What matters is... An emotional affair is an affair. Are you violating any of the rules and tenets that you have established with your spouse? We're swingers. I'm just kidding. We're not. You know, I'm cool enough for that. I know. You know, I'm I'm a very non-judgmental person in that way. But if those are the rules that you've established, then it's not cheating. Yeah. Yeah. Because Because you've been open about the guidelines of what is okay, and he hid it from his wife, and that is essentially what made it cheating. Is that he lied and hid it? That's what made it cheating. You know, now at the end of the the episode when they have agreed to it, I don't think it's it's no longer cheating because they have agreed to a rule and they are both abiding by those rules. And now it's no longer cheating before it was though. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It totally was. And then, and beyond that, I thought it beautifully delved into human sexuality in that it's a spectrum and not an either or there, you know, sorry to burst everybody's bubble, but there's essentially no such thing as straight or gay. There's everything in between and people can identify as 100% straight, but that doesn't mean that given the right set of circumstances, perhaps a video game in a virtual reality world that that might not change a little bit. And I think that this looked at that in a very honest way. And I, that really resonated with me giving this one, the gold medal at the silver medal. I give that to the one with a super long name and Miley Cyrus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought it was a fun episode. I thought it was a good ending. And it was an interesting look at the suffocating world of fame and the loss and control and autonomy that comes with that. But ultimately, I don't think it's an episode I would choose to rewatch. But I liked how they looked at what happens when you chase your dreams and they suffocate you. Mm-hmm. And I thought that was very interesting. I cared a whole lot less about the two girls and a lot more about the whole Ashley O storyline. I really. The, well, that's where the story was. Right. And so that that part resonated with me. And then at the bronze medal, I have to give it to Smithereens because, really? you know, in my humble opinion, this episode features the best performances of the whole season. And I think Andrew Scott was breathtaking in several moments. Mm-hmm. But. And it also, I did want to point out, I also feel like it had the strongest moral mm-hmm. the, it, in terms of like this, you know, as a big Star Trek fan, like you always talk about the morals and meanings of an episode. This one had the clearest, this is the morals and meanings of this episode. These are the social implications. But the story was so 
slow to unfold. Mm -hmm. And I didn't find myself with an emotional connection to anybody until like the last five minutes. Mm -hmm. I didn't care about anything that was happening to anybody in this episode until the last few minutes. If I don't care about what's happening to you, I don't want to watch your story. And that Mm -hmm. ultimately is why this episode, you know, came in last place for me was because I did not have an emotional connection to these people. It felt like they had a great idea, but then they realized they had to make an hour out of it. Yeah. So that episode, and I don't know if you guys have ever seen this movie. If you haven't, I recommend it, but I will warn you, it is jacked up. Bone Tomahawk. Oh, yeah. Never even heard of it. Oh, absolutely. So that movie is two hours and 15 minutes long. And I spent two hours and 15 minutes long to have my world rocked for 20 minutes. Oh, man. There is... One of my favorite movies, Bone Bone Tomahawk. Tomahawk. Kurt Russell, there is a scene in there, and I know Nick's knowing exactly what I'm talking Mm -hmm. about. There, Very rarely do movies have any lasting effect on me. I've seen some pretty gross and nasty stuff in my Mm -hmm. life, and Uh you know, nothing really gets to me. That is one of the few movie scenes that, like, Uh still gets to me. So that guy writes novels as well. He's a Western. And he writes Western horror stories, Mm -hmm. and that's what Bone Tomahawk is. It's a cannibalistic, like indigenous tribe out in the middle of the desert and this guy's wife gets abducted by them and they're going after them so like i said the first 10 minutes is amazing and then an hour and some change is a little dry which reminded me of this episode Mm -hmm. and then the last like 20 minutes you're like I can't unsee anything that I just saw. I might have to check this out. It you, sounds you fascinating. You should. In the long run, it's a very good movie. I like the fact that it is a Western, but it is nowhere near the typical Western. Mm-hmm. It is a grittier Western by and, any means. And, and see, I love, I love a Western yeah. if it's a gritty Western. Yeah. yeah. I'm not um, a big spaghetti western fan, but you give me something with some grit and some meat to chew on, and I like it. There's a lot some of true grit. Did it? <laughs> I see what you did there. But yes, that's what I thought about episode two on season five of Black Mirror. I was like, all right, this took a long time to unravel, mm-hmm. but then the last 20 minutes, I was rocked on it. So, yeah. minus the fact that I'm like, well, you did it. So, live with it. <laughs> I don't wanna. Okay. So he, he was choosing to not live with it. That's true. Very That's true. true. Oh, I did. I did want to shout out. I love an ambiguous ending. Love, and I love that the last few seconds of that were left to your imagination. Mm-hmm. Did they hit? Did they miss? Did he take matters into his own hands? Did I, they hit I did the wrong like person? Did they hit the mm-hmm. wrong person? Because that crossed my mind as well. Mm-hmm. I did like that as well yeah. for Smithereens. I just assumed he was dead either way since he wanted to be. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. he was gonna. Um, that is not a good segue, but I'm going to dive in anyway for a female factor where I examine the, in this case, episodes for um, feminist themes and female representation. This is a difficult season to look at because it's super short and the nature of the storytelling and the stories and the way that they unfold. So I'm just kind of going to briefly talk about the series as a whole and that I feel that they've done a pretty good job of equally representing stories about women and they haven't as strongly boxed ladies into the typical quote unquote sexist tropes of the secretary, the housewife, etc. And there have been a lot of morals and meanings of different episodes, i.e. San Junipero, i.e. Black Museum, that have been very you know, to quote the cheesy 90s phrase, very girl power centric of, you know, this is a woman who's taken her life and her destiny into her own hands and did what she want. And 
I think there's always room for improvement, but for this one-off format like Black Mirror, I think the sky's the limit and that there are so many more interesting stories about women to tell, and I look forward to hearing what they have to say. Yeah, I'd agree that they avoided the stereotypes enough that it all blended into the background, mm-hmm. and you know they, they were fair enough. Because uh, I always point out that remember, people fair and equal doesn't always mean that there will never be any disparity whatsoever. Right. You can have an episode of Black Mirror that has three guys in it and nobody else, and it doesn't mean that it's sexist. If if that's what it called for, if that was the story and it was a good story for that reason. Well, Striking Vipers is a good example of that. We have, you know, essentially there are three characters in there, but Mm -hmm. the wife is very much a secondary character and is just featured as quote-unquote a housewife, but it wasn't a story about her. It was about the two guys. it wraps up for her, and in the end she gets her... She gets what she wants, too. So it's not a story that I take issue with because the the whole point of feminism isn't that we are more important than anybody right. else. It's that we are equally as important as anybody else. And so our right. stories deserve to be told, too. And this just happened to not be that right. story. And then episode three was a very female centric story. Exactly. Because that is the story they were telling. And I was fine with it. Uh, you know, it's not you can have that. Uh, different the different stories and different viewpoints it's when there is an overall leaning one mm-hmm. direction or when uh, you know those stories can't be told and so on and so forth that's why yeah. there's a problem and I think they've completely avoided all of that even down to the minutia uh, you know you see the one of the female lead inspectors uh, you know in the episode two yeah exactly um, the cop it was a uh, guy, girl, female, and there's never anything mentioned about that. Like, no. there, there's secondary characters, there's no tension, there's no nothing. It's just, those just happen to be the two cops. She never gets asked to go get him a cup of coffee. Yep. There are, uh, you know, they, they show that obviously there was, uh, in episode two, there was a female secretary that answered the phone, but then there was also a female COO. Yeah, who clearly <laughs> ran the show. Yep, who yeah, was very much clearly in charge. The, um, Oh, the technician lady was very much a badass. Mm-hmm. But then the FBI was a guy and there was another executive there who was a guy, uh, you know, which and realistically, that's what you would find. You would see just randomness in whether or not they are male or female, whether or not they uh, have certain ethnicity. Uh, they would all just be random because they would have gotten there not on any of those aspects. They would have mm-hmm. gotten there on uh, either their merits or something Or their capabilities, else. yeah. As opposed to whether or not they were ethnic, whether or not they were uh, female or whether male. Whether or not they look the right way or have the right gender. Exactly. Uh, so you would get a randomness, and I think they portray that. I agree. Yeah. Also want to add in for people that are wondering, I've burped eight times during this episode, and I've hidden them all. <laughs> Nice. So she thinks. <laughs> we can I smell it. I hope I hid them all. It was spinach, so it shouldn't be that stinky. <laughs> oh, oh, goodness gracious. You know, that is a terrible place to end it. But I think That's where at, we are. It was a terrible place time. to begin it. It's now a terrible place to end it. I guess that's a wrap. Watch Black Mirror. Full circle. The end. <laughs> <laughs>